You'll fix this. Perfect. Right on time. You know, like we saw in the intro video, Christmas for a lot of people is a happy time. For other people, not so much. You know, all the songs that we hear and things that we experience can, can bring up joy. But then other times it can bring up other feelings that are not positive. And, and today we're here to, to celebrate Christmas the way it should be, the real meaning of Christmas, what Christmas is all about. And you say, well, man, it's December 6th, and we've got still two and a half weeks. You know, I'm really glad we have two and a half weeks because what we're going to talk about today, I believe, can help you have one of the best Christmases that you've had in a long time. But it all started with an announcement, and that's the theme of our, our Christmas story. It started with this announcement that you see on the invitation, unto us a child is born. And this comes from the, the prophet Isaiah 2,755 years ago. Isaiah said, this is going to happen unto us. And, and this is such an awesome word here. That means you and me. That means you and me are going to receive a gift. And that gift is in the form of a child who would grow up and be the Son of God, the Messiah, the one, the highest. And he's been given to us. And just so we can get it uh, in, in our English, we see it here is, the NIV, for to us a child is born and a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. In other words, this isn't just going to be a prophet. This is going to be somebody that all authority in heaven and on earth is going to rest on his shoulders. And when Jesus finished his ministry, he said that. He said, all authority on heaven and heaven and earth are now in my hands. So let me tell you how it is with God. And, and Isaiah goes on, and, and I just want to say I love the Bible because it's not like a lot of stories, you know, around Christmas, once upon a time. The Bible is talking about people and places and history. And we've even got archaeology to back up what happened, and these places existed, and this went on, and there's, there's timelines See, I love the Bible because it's telling us a real-life story of how God was on a quest to be reconciled with his people. So Isaiah goes on, and he describes this, this child that would come, and he would grow up, and it says that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, which means he's going to have all the wisdom to direct our lives, to teach us how to live. Mighty God, which means he's going to do things that only God could do, unexplainable things. He's going to defy the laws of gravity and health and everything else we know. Now, that, that, that's just not possible. 
Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. He goes, everlasting Father, which, which really means kind of breaking this passage down, means this is going to be a Father's love. Jesus is going to love us like a Father whose love never fails. It's everlasting, just like a father loves his son. But, you know, those of us who are fathers, our love can run out sometimes. It shouldn't, but it does. Not Jesus, not God. His love is everlasting. And then the one I love the most, Prince of Peace. That he is going to be the one that introduces like a prince. He's, on, he's right there on the threshold waiting to come in and be king. And what is this king going to bring? Peace. You know what you and I need? Just give me some peace. In this world of chaos, in this life of mine that seems to be so up and down, I just want peace. And Isaiah is telling us, He's going to bring that peace. So you and I have a lot to celebrate, don't we? We have a lot to celebrate during the Christmas season, but for some reason, we don't really get it. We, don't, we miss the real point of, of Christmas. And this second song, I don't know if you caught it, but it, you hear it in the malls, you hear it everywhere. And, and this old, old song, I mean, I heard it when I was a little kid, and, and you hear the carolers. I don't know if they, people still do that, but carolers would go around, and they'd, they'd stand out in front of your house, and they would sing into your house, and you could hear them, and they would sometimes hold candles, and, and they would sing this song, and we sang it this morning. It's a song by Charles Wesley, you know, hundreds of years old, and, and, and it's Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory Be to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth, and Goodwill Towards Man. And it says, Mercy, mild, God and sinner, reconciled. What a powerful song. You know, we hear songs at Christmas, like you saw in the intro video. You know, some songs kind of stir up a lot, but this song's awesome. Because it's, it's basically saying that the angels came to declare Jesus is coming. But, you know, this is why Jesus came, we think, right? To reconcile us sinners. See, Jesus came to reconcile me with God. I can be reconciled with God. See, this this. Upward-downward relationship can be reconciled, but just a quick question. What about sinner-to-sinner relationships? You know, Jesus came to fix this, but what about this? What about those relationships? Hmm, that's a different story. And if you want to talk about that, I've got about 25 reasons why that's going to be difficult to reconcile here. But thank Jesus that he came to reconcile me with God. And, and we see here this, this next passage. Paul, the apostle Paul talked about Jesus and what he would do for us and the price that it would cost God to reconcile us with himself. For God was pleased to have 
all his fullness dwell in him. So God would take all of himself and pack him into Jesus. So that Jesus would walk and talk and represent, he would be living, walking, talking, God in the flesh. And through him, to do what? To reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So what did this reconciliation cost God? Cost everything. Blood, beaten, bruised. This, this was an intense love affair that God has with us. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of what? Some lies that I've told, some mistakes that I've made. No, Paul says it's evil behavior. See, I, I came to know this because, you know, I didn't really know the Bible really well growing up. I mean, I heard it. But then when I started to read it for myself in college, I realized that, you know, there's a whole list of things. There's a list of things that I've done to offend God, to create a wall between me and God. You know, a lot of people come to church for the first time, and I want to tell you, I'm really glad you're here. If you haven't been to church in a while, I'm really glad you're here. But, you know, as much as we try to make you feel welcome, there's still something in you that you go, I just don't feel comfortable here. There's an awkwardness. You know, there's a reason for that. And it's the same reason that I felt awkward coming to church. And you may not know the Bible, but... There's a conscience in each one of us that says, mm, something's not right. And we think, well, yeah, I've made some mistakes. I've... But we don't realize, man, the way Bible, the Bible's describing it, it's evil behavior. Well, when do we really understand that it's evil behavior? See, when you make the connection that the things that you do can really hurt the people that you love. That's when you come to grips with, man, this is not just a mistake. This is hurtful. This is destructive. This is evil. And I remember when I started studying the Bible, it, it really came, became clear to me that, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not in a good place with God. In fact, I, I've got a lot of things. But this alienation, Jesus came to bring us close, to break down that wall. And he goes on and he says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. So in other words, Jesus took the place that we deserved, the punishment we deserved, Jesus took that place and suffered for us. Through his death presented you, to present you holy in his sight without any blemish, and free from accusation. Don't you love this? I mean, this, this is what we love about Christianity, isn't it? I mean, this is, this is where we high-five, Jesus fixed my problem. I'm, I'm, I, I love Christianity because of this passage. In fact, every time we pray, every time we receive a blessing, you know, when you're traveling, you pray, God, will you keep us safe? And when you pray and God answers that prayer, you go back and you say, the reason he answered this prayer is because of Jesus. 
And we hang everything on this promise. And we assume, because of Jesus, I'm good. In fact, if you were to ask and say, God, are we okay? You'd go back to this passage and you'd go, see, he's reconciled me through Jesus. So I'm without blemish, stain, free from accusation. I'm good. But if you know anything about Jesus' ministry, is it enough to be good with God and not be good with people around you? See, because Jesus didn't just stop here. He, he spent a lot of time preaching and teaching and, and giving us parables, comparisons, parallels. See, because when you're not good with somebody, a brother, a sister, a family member, a coworker, for whatever reason, if you're not good with them, then can you really be good with God? It's a huge question. And reconciled, what God did is God reconciled us. He removed everything that made us incompatible with him. I mean, he took it away, everything. Whatever was blocking us between God, he took it away. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that, that may be the, 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 the best news you've ever heard in your whole life. It's the best thing I've ever heard because I, I desperately needed this. I may be a minister today, but even that, I'm not perfect. And even before, I was a miserable son to God. I offended him. But he went through all of this, and you say, well, man, God, Jesus came to teach us about being right with you, but he also taught about how we're doing here. This is where Christmas gets really complicated because between us, things aren't so good, are they? And I, I could probably say in every family, there's somebody, there's something that things aren't right. And you say, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I want to take initiative and I, I want to call, I want to send a card and Maybe they're reaching out. Maybe you're thinking about reaching out, and I just don't know if it's going to work. And, and you've got a list of reasons why it won't work. See, I tried one time, and it didn't work. You think about that. But here's something. The, the assumption of all religions, this is, the, this is the weirdest thing. The assumption of all religions is this. I can be right with God, but be wrong with you, and that's okay. That's what, that's what religion assumes. And this is worldwide, all religions, not, not Christianity, but I, I just want you to know Jesus never taught this. And sometimes we can walk around as Christians in this room thinking, I can be right with God. You know why I can be right with God? Because of Jesus. But it's okay if you and I aren't good. I can be out of sorts with you but can be completely fine with God. I'm here to tell you today that's not what Jesus taught. 
And what Jesus taught is the thing that I need a lot. Because even in my family, there's drama. Lots of drama. I don't know about your family, but in my family, there's individuals that don't speak to each other. See, because something happened, there was a there was an evil behavior, there was something, there was an offense, there was something that created the barrier, there was an abandonment, there was a lack of forgiveness, where somebody may have said, enough is enough, I'm done with you. You're no longer alive to me. I've heard that. You're dead to me. Those are strong words. And see, they can go to church and they, they can read the Bible and they can pray and they can say, hey, I'm good with God. See, that's an assumption. Let me, let me show you. This is one of the many, many. See, because Jesus came to tell us that God loves you, but he also loves your brother, or your sister, or your coworker, that person that you're mad at. He loves them too. And so when you hate them and when your wall's divided between you and them, guess what? God's like, hey, you're hating my son or my daughter. So when you hate them, guess who else you're hating? Really? It says that? Let me, let me show you one example here in Matthew chapter 5. This was Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He said, therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, for us this would be if you come to church, if you pray, if you're doing something for God, if you serve the poor, if you're trying to do something, hey, God, this is for you. This is for you. If you offer to give to the altar, and remember, and just, you know, I hate that. I hate when it happens, but we remember. Somebody's mad at me, or I'm mad at somebody else. Don't you hate when that happens? When it comes to your mind and you try to push it away, and no, I don't want to think about that, and forget it, right? But you remember that your brother or your sister or your coworker has something against you. I'm good, but you know they aren't. Here's what Jesus said. Leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be what? Say it with me. Because I feel, I feel like maybe I'm losing some of you. You know what? I just got to say this. Take a time out. Your kids are awesome. You may have the best behaved kids in the whole world. High five to the kids in big church. We, we don't do this every Sunday, but for our Christmas celebration, we do. But Jesus says this. Go be reconciled to them. What's he saying by this? Then come and offer your gift. What's he saying? See, this doesn't work if this isn't working. In fact, what God is saying, if you're going to come to me, pray to me, talk to me, and connect with me, you better fix this. See, Jesus spent so much time talking about this. And you know what? I'm really grateful he took the time because I need it a lot. I need this. I need him to tell me this because I can practice the assumption. And, and here's the thing about Christmas, though. Why is it we don't demonstrate what we celebrate? Man, Jesus, Christmas, Jesus came and he's born and he saved me and he gave me life and all my sins are forgiven and I have peace with God. Yep, there's no demonstration. 
of what we celebrate because we can live in a divided family, friendship. Why is that? And, and here's another question is, would you be willing between now and Christmas to, to leverage the full message of Jesus? And you go, oh, I don't know, man. Really? Do you know what, how hard it would be for me to forgive so-and-so? Do, do you realize what they did to me? And not just once, over a long period of time, they hurt me. Or maybe you're the offender. <sighs> I don't know, man. If, if I reach out, don't you understand, Peter, if I go and I try to reach out, they're not going to reciprocate. They're not going to receive. They're not going to respond. And you know, I understand that. I've tried to initiate with people, ask for their forgiveness, and didn't get it back. That still shouldn't stop us. Because of reality, here, here's what God did for us by sending Jesus God did not resent his offer to reconcile us simply because we weren't willing to receive it. Do you know that God took a risk on you? He sent his son not knowing if you were going to respond. And, and I have a confession to make today. Do you know that for many years I knew that Jesus died for my sins and I didn't do anything about it? waited. I, I said, you know, that, that's really nice, Jesus, but I'm just not ready yet to give my life. Man, that's, that's intense love, what God did. See, see, God put himself out there for us with no guarantee. In fact, it was probably guaranteed that a lot of people weren't going to respond. They weren't going to reciprocate his love, his forgiveness. They were just going to say, nope. So my question to you is, you know, this Christmas, how are you going to respond? Here's, the, here's the, the, the story that we know so well, and I don't know if you read this Christmas Eve at your house or, or what, but in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quintilius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and, and she placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. incredible announcement and what was God willing to go through for this to happen everything so I got one question or one charge of Christmas for you it could turn out to be your best Christmas ever and and, and that is this if God and sinner can be reconciled Who are we to withhold the offer of reconciliation with somebody else? It's a huge question, isn't it? You know, this motivates me. And and I got to share with you guys, uh, a week and a half ago, I got a a chance to go visit my father, and he's, he's very frail, both in mind and body. This is a sad time. Because his time is short. And when I said goodbye, he wept like I'd never seen him weep. And so did I. Because of our relationship. And what I realized in that time is that I don't know how long we have but we got to make sure it's an awesome time. And I walked away and I thought, you know, how how am I doing with my brothers and sisters and how are they doing with their wives and husbands and how are we doing as a family? And I made a decision. Nothing is going to keep our family apart because of what Jesus did. Now, we may not agree on everything, That's okay. But we're going to be reconciled. See, because God went through great lengths for us to be reconciled. And I just got to be honest with some of you here today. There's some of you that your relationships are in trouble. Marriages on the very precipice of just being torn apart. You say, well, I can't, I, can't, I can't reconcile. I want you to understand something. Our relationship with God is so, so important. I don't want anything or anyone to come between it. And if I have to say I'm sorry, send a card, 
send a gift, meet face to face, I'll do it. And some of you got some pretty serious situations. You've been hurt bad. But I want to encourage you, don't follow the assumption of religion. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus because when you do, there's a lot to celebrate. See, because when you do, there's peace on earth and goodwill towards man. So I'm going to pray for you and pray for us right now before we take the communion. And, you know, Paul told us this too. He said, if, you know, you're not right with somebody and we just heard Jesus say it, maybe it'd be a good idea to wait before you take communion until you get reconciled with that person that you need to. And then you can take it at peace because if this is going to be right, this has got to be right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so, so much for sending your Son. God, we want this Christmas to be the best Christmas in your eyes ever. And we know that a lot of the pain and suffering that happens on this earth is because of relationships that have not been reconciled and the hate grows and the division grows and it just reaps destruction all over the place. Father, I want to pray for the victims of violence in San Bernardino. Comfort those families, God. Comfort their loss and help them to find something good through this. Help them to turn to you for comfort. And we also pray for the situations that we don't know about. Please, Father, stretch out your hand. And guide us and help us. We lift up Jesus right now as we take the communion. We're reminded of his body and his blood that were shed on the cross. Please bless this communion. And we pray for forgiveness for the things that we have done that have hurt you and have hurt of other people. And we pray, God, that from today forward, we can move in their direction and in your direction. We love you, God. Bless this communion. Bless this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.